Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, in the first reading, as well as in the Gospel, we are reminded of sin, cause as well as the effects of sin in our spiritual life. In the first reading, we hear about David, how he has committed adultery, And worse yet, he's compounded that sin with murder. In the gospel, we hear of a woman. We don't know her identity. We don't know what she's done. But all we know is she's described as a sinful woman. Nonetheless, these two flawed characters remind us of our own sinfulness. Now, sin is something that isn't very popular. Nobody really wants to talk about it openly. We want to keep it private to ourselves. You know, we don't go to a party or to a family gathering and say, hey, everybody, guess what I did? I sinned today. And then everyone congratulating us. Hey, you did a great job. We knew you had it in you. That a boy. Well, no, it just doesn't work that way. More to it, our church for the past several decades has run hot as well as cold in actually talking about sin, the cause and the effect and what it really does to us in the spiritual life. Take, for example, in the 40s, the 50s, even in the early 60s, the church overemphasized sin to the extent that people had to go to confession Saturday morning in order to go to Mass on Sunday. So every Saturday morning, you would see lines and lines of people waiting to go to confession in order to go to Mass the next day. More to it, if you talk to people that grew up during that time frame, they would say that it was often the case where pastors would stand in front of the people at the pulpit and wave their finger at the people and tell them they're all going to hell. Well, if that was really true, then heaven must be a very lonely place because there's not too many people up there. Now, after Vatican II in the late 60s, it seemed like the pendulum swung the other way for our church. During the 70s, 80s, even early 90s, priests preached what we refer to as banner theology. I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay, everything's fine. Well, if that's really true, then we are in no need of a savior, are we? And yet we are. We are sinners. We do sin and we need a savior. The first reading as well as the gospel boldly emphasize the effects of sin in our life. And yet, at the same time, they also emphasize God's overwhelming mercy that he has for us. And these two figures in the first reading in the gospel, they go to God and they receive God's overwhelming forgiveness. G.K. Chesterton once said, The difference between a saint and a sinner is the saint knows that they are a sinner. If you look up and down sacred scripture, you see these flawed characters 
who enter into or commit sin. But they go to God, and God forgives them of their sin. And in doing so, now they are strengthened in their faith and able to live out the relationship with God. What else do you see in many of these instances? God's anger, God's wrath. Now, I would argue God's anger is good. In fact, very good. When we speak about God's wrath, God's anger, it's not. It's not God falling into some emotional snit and now he can't just wait to let us have it. Nor does it mean that God is some sort of dysfunctional father that becomes angry at the slightest thing that we do wrong and just ready to pounce on us. No, not at all. Instead, God's wrath, God's anger, as identified in sacred scripture, is God's passion to set all things right. Set things right that have been distorted or disoriented because of sin. In fact, one could argue, if God weren't angry with our sin, it would mean that he really doesn't love us. Let me explain this further. St. Irenaeus once said, God is glorified when the human being is fully alive. Well, when are we fully alive? When we are being the person that God wants us to be, created us to be. And yet, what does sin do? It prevents that from happening. Prevents us from being fully alive. And see, this is where God gets angry. He's angry when this happens because of his deep abiding passion to set all things right in our life so that we are fully alive. We have to realize our God is a God of life. He wants us to be the person he created or intended us to be, therefore fully alive. When we're not fully alive, then God gets angry. Then we see God's wrath. But remember, again, God's wrath, his anger is not like our anger for human beings. Our anger for human beings is an emotion. For God, it isn't. God's anger, God's wrath, again, is his great passion to set all things right for us all. That's why there is no contradiction between God's wrath and God's love. It's one and the same. That's why my friend and I always joke, if you look at the churches, Catholic churches around this world, they're all named after God or after saints. That's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But there should be at least one church, one church in this entire world that is named God's wrath. Can you imagine a secretary answering the phone? Hello, God's wrath, can I help you? But we have to recognize that. God's wrath is God's love. His great passion to set all things right. Now go back to that quote I gave you from G.K. Chesterton. Saints know that they are sinners. Now, are they obsessed with their sin? No, not at all. They are just keenly aware of the effects of sin in their life. That's why they avoid it at all costs and are motivated to a holy life. John on the cross once said, Our soul is like a pane of glass. Well, if you go home and you look at any pane of glass at night, well, the glass looks perfectly fine. It looks clean. But during the day when the sun is shining through that window, that pane of glass, then you begin to see all the smudges, don't you? Well, what John of the Cross is saying, 
our soul is like that pane of glass. When the divine illuminating light of Jesus Christ enters into our life, we begin to see all the smudges caused by sin on our soul. And see, that's exactly what happens to David as well as to this woman in the gospel. They see, they recognize, and acknowledge their sinfulness. And what's important, they go to God, and God forgives them. Where else do we see this? Well, it's so common up and down sacred scripture. You know, there's that classic story of Peter. He's in the boat with Jesus. He just witnesses the miraculous catch of so many fish. Immediately, he turns to Jesus, falls to his knees, and says, Leave me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. The closer and closer we get in our relationship and our faith in God, the more keenly we are aware of our sinfulness. Now, does God want us to make us feel miserable all the time? No, on the contrary. Instead, God has that great passion to set all things right in our life so that we are the person that God wants us to be, fully alive in our relationship and our love with Christ. David and this woman in the gospel, you know, they also desire that too. They go to God and God forgives their sins. And now they become stronger people, greater in their faith. Now, is this easy for us? Sometimes, sometimes it's not. Go to Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verse 27. Paul writes, I do not do the good that I want to do. Instead, I do what I do not want to do. If I do what I do not want to do, it is the evil that resides with inside of me. You see, Paul gives us a great description of that tension that resides within his own soul. We feel that tension sometimes ourselves, don't we? We say to ourselves, okay, I know right from wrong, but sometimes we have a difficult time, a struggle choosing one from the other. When Paul wrote Romans, he was an apostle for over 20 years. Now, when we first hear that quote, we could say, well, Paul was young. You know, he was just beginning as an apostle, but later on as he matured, that tension with inside of him lessened. On the contrary, Paul wrote Romans 20 years into being an apostle. And therefore, he's telling us that struggle will be with us throughout our entire life. And it's a struggle we can identify with. See, this is what sin does. It causes this state of inner tension within our soul. You could say a war erupts inside of us. We become divided within ourselves. Worse yet, we can't rescue ourselves. We can't will our way out of our sin. We need our Savior, God, to forgive us. And see, we must follow, therefore, the example of David and this woman in the gospel. Go to God with trust and confidence, and he will forgive our sins. And we will be stronger people because of that. Just a few spiritual suggestions to conclude. One, perform an examination of conscience on a regular basis. St. Ignatius of Loyola taught his Jesuits to do this every night before they went to bed. To look at the entire day, examine it, from the moment they got up in the morning until the moment that they were about to go to bed at night. And then look throughout the entire day where they cooperated with God's grace and then where they didn't. And then pray to God that the next day they would be able to 
better, live out their faith, and cooperate with God's grace. Well, we too should perform an examination of conscience from time to time. See how we're doing in the spiritual life. You could say it's a spiritual litmus test. And then like David and this woman, go humbly before the Lord in the great sacrament of confession, reconciliation. It's there that we will receive God's overwhelming mercy and forgiveness. And in those words of absolution, we will be reminded of just how great God's love is for us all. Not only his love, but also his wrath. And in doing so, he will set all things right in the great sacrament of confession. In that sacrament, now we become the person that God wants us to be. Now we are fully alive. And that's all that Christ ever wants. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.